0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber, the show about Bitcoin and Bitcoin tulips. This week I'm joined by Gigi, you might know him from his 21 Lessons series that he did on 21lessons.com. It's been pretty big on Twitter lately, and the guy from crypto Economy just did a voiceover for it, and it's really good. You guys need to check it out. We're, we're gonna show it again in the interview, but I just wanted to show it again here because I, I thought it was really good. Gigi is a great conversationalist. We had an awesome time chatting with each other about the paradigm shift that's coming to the world, uh, brought about by Bitcoin and the advent of a digital unseizable deflationary sound currency. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, you could talk about this stuff for hours and hours, but you know, I always try to keep these things about an hour for you guys, uh, just so they don't go too long. This one is a little bit more freeform than some of my other episodes. I'm experimenting with a different format, uh, less interview style. I'll probably still do the interview style ones, especially when I'm interviewing like developers or uh, people who are building a certain product and I have lots of questions tailored towards that particular thing. But I think that this one worked really well. Let me know what you guys think. If you like this format, if you prefer the interview style, if you'd like to see a little bit of mixture of both, that's probably what you'll get anyway, but I'd still like to hear some feedback on it. All right, guys, let's get to it. This episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber podcast is sponsored by WTFHappenedIn1971.com, the economics meme taking the world by storm where all of us are trying to find out the answer to what the heck happened in 1971. WTF 1971 also has a merch store now. You can find it at WTF-1971.creator-spring.com. I'll post a link to that down in the show notes if you want to check it out. Thanks for the support. Geeky, how you doing, man?
1: Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm really glad to have gotten you on the show, man. I, I just listened to your 21 lessons, uh, the voiceover that Cryptoconomy did the other day, and man, I loved it. I loved every second of it.
1: Yeah, shout out to Guy Swan. It's awesome that he did that, and uh, he... Offered me to use it on my page as well, and so I I went ahead and and cut everything up, which actually was a pain in the ass. <laughs> 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 Since it's, <laughs> I think I listened to the to the whole thing like ten times now. <laughs> oh, I feel your <laughs> pain, to, dude. Doing a podcast, just, just to,
0: I, I'm just sick of my own voice. Time, right. so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's funny. Since it's, it's, I I never heard my own voice, and I I now had a couple of podcast appearances, and it's I'm not sure if I will ever get used to it. So it's kind of weird. It's a strange <laughs> thing. Well, <yeah. But
0: laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Guy does really good work. Uh, we had him we had him do some voiceovers for us for 10 hours of Bitcoin, the resource that uh, I've helped JW with, and he just does great everything and what a great idea for like a podcast style too because he'll never run out of content he just keeps reading stuff out loud yeah
1: it's so awesome no he's a blessing to the space like i'm i'm a huge podcast nerd and i try to consume as much as i can in audio form and i also use uh, text to speech so if AI keeps advancing at that pace, then Guy might had, might have to think of something else to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but AI will and... never
0: be sultry smooth. I wonder yeah, if, true. <laughs> if someone makes an AI that can talk in Guy's voice, then we might be in trouble.
1: Yeah, that already works, I think. I mean, he has enough recording to feed into some machine learning algorithm to emulate his voice. I think that that's it's already getting there so (laughs) that's interesting so like like a
0: deep fake audio
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so he could make himself obsolete quite soon no but seriously he's doing such a great job at, uh yeah also just picking the content and i'm i'm honored that he picked some of my stuff and also read the 21 lessons and and i'm also honored that you have me on since yeah I'm, i'm in good company you had some awesome people on uh like you mentioned JW and you started really strong with Marty Bend as well and Justin Moon and some big names on your pod so that's, that's yeah great.
0: I kind of blew all my powder a little bit too early <laughs> and now it's getting harder to find really good guests uh, I'm like I'm not quite big enough to get lots of big names on um, but I don't know I'll just keep grinding you know. I,
1: I really loved the pod with um, uh, Mr. Cool B- BP as well with uh, Ben Francis yeah Ben that's, is awesome yeah I, I put it in uh one of the it's one of the selected episodes of my uh, bitcoin resources episode list so i picked i don't know 15 or so episodes that i really liked and i think it's it's an awesome episode for yeah interested beginners to just get the grasp of the whole bitcoin spectrum and yeah there was a great episode
0: 100 uh well so since we're on the topic why don't you fill my audience in on what 21 lessons is sort of give us like your condensed version uh, (laughs) and and whether or not like should they go listen to this thing like what is it
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not sure if i'm able to get to provide a condensed version because it started out with trying to condense it down it all started uh, with my attempt of answering the question what have you learned from bitcoin and i tried to put it in a tweet and that didn't work and i tried to put it in a tweet storm and that didn't work as well and then i started writing an article and it just got longer and longer and then i i realized i have to split up the article and um i yeah i forced myself to come up with 21 things just to to allude to bitcoin's hard cap and um I, i split it up in three parts and it's it's kind of arbitrary everything so i split it up in Philosophy, economics and technology because I think that those are at least interesting areas to, or in, interesting lenses to view Bitcoin through. And um, there are many more lenses. I mean, you could also use biology, for example, or psychology. Like Random Quiddam did an excellent job of, you know, uh, the bitcoin mushroom fungi crossover <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah that's how I came up with the 21 lessons and everything evolved from there so uh, I, I re- published the articles and they yeah they were received really really well and um, some people even translated them so there are translations to Spanish and Chinese and Uh, Turkish and uh, I think one Polish guy is still working on a translation I don't know how far he went because it's it's a pain in the ass to translate stuff (laughs) and yeah that's how how the 21 lessons came to be and then I reworked the articles into 21lessons.com where I split everything up again into a somewhat digestible format and I I took a different spin on it Uh, I um, I decided to redo it a bit and uh yeah describe it as the ter- as my journey down the rabbit hole which it actually is so it's uh it's what i have learned from bitcoin and since the rabbit hole meme is a strong one i um took uh, alice in wonderland and took some quotes from there and yeah it's kind of like you follow the white rabbit through the rabbit hole and as you said, there now also is an audio version. Uh, so the whole thing, if you just listen to the audio, is like two hours, five minutes, something like that. And Guy was kind enough to do that. So that's yeah, the, I that's love the short the version, Alice in
0: Wonderland tie-in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I think Bitcoin. Uh, w- w- I think, and I'm guilty of this too, but I think we're we're getting too dry for our own good. Um, we we need like a little bit more entertainment aspect to some of what we do around here. I think like Marty Ben I think is really good at this. I find uh, Tales from the Crypts very entertaining, but my show sometimes I I get tunnel vision and I I lose track of just having fun with uh, with the conversation. And that's what I like about Twenty One Lessons is that it's like it it feels like a journey almost like I, like I'm going on a journey with you as a, as I was listening to guys sort of read off all of your transcriptions.
1: Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I think. I think most of the props have to go to Guy there because he does a, such an awesome job of you know doing the voiceover and playing around with the different characters of Alice in Wonderland as well with the quotes. I, I really loved it. But uh, I agree with you that sometimes you know if you're if you've been into Bitcoin for a couple of years, then you tend to get bogged down with the details, and you know we have a lot of infighting going on, <laughs> and there are just people arguing about. Uh, the weirdest stuff all the time and i feel like people sometimes yeah lose lose the big big picture a bit and and the the fun of actually having this stuff and being able to play around with it i mean it's it's amazing that we actually you know it's amazing in the first place that bitcoin exists and it's also amazing that it works and it still works like Mm -hmm. you know i mean it was bitcoin died hundreds of times <laughs> according to certain commentators and <laughs> it's it's still there and it still works and i believe that it's extremely hard to kill so it will be there for the foreseeable future and it's amazing what people do with it and i, I just think yeah you should have fun with the technology and have fun fun with 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 everything pretty much like playing around with it and thinking about the uh, implications and figuring out what you can do with it and some people i think lightning koala was also on your pod, right yeah. so yeah. yeah he's the perfect example uh, like he, he just took lightning to the next level creating Satoshi's place and lightning chest and other stuff and it's, it's awesome what you can do with it I mean just Satoshi's place is genius and also there are some great artists that just do great stuff uh, in, in the bitcoin and lightning world and you know I mean just sell, selling a piece of artwork for a value that's lower than a grain of sand it's just amazing what you can do nowadays it's, it's really cool that we live in this world
0: it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I'm I'm excited to see what kind of applications emerge that weren't possible before Lightning. You know that's what probably gets me most excited about Lightning.
1: Yeah, I I believe a lot of stuff is still to come because now it's it's still kind of hard to use everything. I mean it's um, it's challenging to set everything up and mm-hmm. uh, I mean now just balancing your channels is is a pain in the ass and uh, all of this. I mean it's it's obvious to me that all of this will. Be worked out and it will just work i mean it's similar to how the internet evolved it the early days in the internet were such a pain in the ass <laughs> and and now everything is just taken for granted i mean just connecting to stuff and routing packets just works you know there's nothing you, you have to do there's nothing you have to set up anymore anyway and i think it will be the same for lightning and uh even higher higher layer uh, uh, higher higher Level technologies and higher layers build up on on Lightning and also on Bitcoin. I I think there's yeah so much potential and um, yeah we we are just not thinking about things right yet. I mean it's it's always it's always the same. You're you have your blind spots. You try to you try to do everything in the same way as you wanted to do it before, you know, like newspapers on the internet <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah, everyone is missing the bigger picture. And I, I think that a lot of innovation is still to come and I'm, I'm excited for that as well.
0: Yeah, it really does. It really is a paradigm shift, you know, like we have to, we have to come up with new ways of thinking, um, And I think it'll really take sort of like a new generation sort of coming up with this technology to really realize its full potential Like even now we're still just seeing new things emerge around like the smartphone applications and the internet that that nobody had thought about even 10 years ago
1: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, that's spot on. I think the old generation just kind of has to die out and go away. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the really interesting things will be built by the 12, 13, 14 year, year olds playing around with this stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I think one one example of that is also in gaming. Um, I, I don't know if you're into gaming, but I, I kind of am, or at least was. I <laughs> I'm i not gaming too much anymore because it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah it takes up too much time and I, I try to be more productive, but if you see what is the norm now, you just, um, I don't know, you play Fortnite or, or whatever. What's interesting there is that uh, you have an in-game currency as well. So everyone is used to digital payments and just, you know, weapon skins and other stuff ha- just has value and uh, the younger generation just takes this for granted anyway. So it's it the, the mental shift already has happened, I think. and. Um, uh, what I what I was gonna say is that everyone takes for granted that you can just stream everything all the time, and you have like five thousand people in your chat, and everyone is talking to each other at the same time. You have a you have a chat window on Twitch with like five thousand people in it, and everyone's typing shit, and it's just the norm. You know that would have been insane if you if you just thought about that a couple of years ago or ten years ago. or So if you if you would have brought up this vision of the future, then everyone was like, oh no, that, that's insane, nobody would do that. And it, it wouldn't work, it wouldn't make sense and, and, and whatnot. And now it's it's just the norm, everyone does it like that. And uh, it's, it's kind of weird and interesting how p- uh, people use technology in a way.
0: Yeah, I, so I, I am a really big gamer actually, or at least I used to be, but pretty much since I found Bitcoin, my interest has been waning because it, it, so we share it, the i same just look vein. at everything differently you know it's my time is money i could yeah. be making satoshis with my time
1: yeah but, just wait until uh proper yeah, proper games come out where you can actually you know play for satoshis and earn satoshis in that way and I, I think all of that will come i mean uh just you know tipping on twitch is is a big thing and i mean uh yeah all the streamers they. They live off that shit anyway, you know, and now we have a way to do that even more seamlessly and more direct and without intermediaries. And I think we will see a lot of applications there, but I also think that it won't stop there. You know, I mean, now this is again the, um, you know, what we already have, but using Bitcoin for it. But I think there will be completely new things. And it's, it's of course hard to come up with ideas how this could look like and, I mean, they're the the obvious ones like streaming money, where you have payment by the second uh, for either something you do or for a video you watch or for something you consume. And the another obvious one is micropayments, of course. But I would be really interested in seeing autonomous, um, yeah, autonomous bots, autonomous AIs that. Are economic agents as well so if you for example self-hosting articles if your article generates some income because people think it's cool and donate to it then it can self-host itself Uh, for example on IPFS as well I mean that's all of that wouldn't be a problem in a a way and that would in my opinion be something new I mean everyone is talking about self-driving cars and self-driving robots in the real world that earn money and they you know service themselves and so on as as an idea what could come in the future but since Bitcoin is purely digital, I think it, it will happen first in the digital realm. And you will have, yeah, just, just bots that earn some money. And maybe there is a programmer behind it that will get rich. Maybe it will just be uh, such a minimal amount that it's just enough for hosting and operation. I don't know. But those are fun things
0: to think about. It, it's crazy to me. And you know, maybe I'm like right on the edge of being old enough where the, the streamer thing, like, I, I kind of don't really get it. I, I, I understand why it's popular, but I'm not going to sit there and, and watch it. And I've played with the idea of, like, streaming myself because I see these guys, and you see them making all this money just sitting there playing video games. And obviously, you know, they have to interact with their chat and all that. But people are throwing, like, hundreds of dollars at a time at these people, and you're just, like, sitting there like, why did this person just donate $500 to this guy playing some video game that's twenty years old, like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I have to wonder how if that's going to translate, you know, to other forms of monetization um, outside just
1: entertainment. Yeah, I think I think that loops into one of the twenty-one lessons, which is about value and how value is subjective. I think if you if you have like if you like the entertainment that's provided there, or just like the person or whatever, and you have enough money to spend, why not? You know, make someone stay and donate an, a ridiculous amount of money to some streamer or someone. I mean, <laughs> there, there are donations in the ten thousand bucks and more. You know, it's yeah. it's really insane. Like, there are some people that have made someone's life. And uh, yeah, I love that. I I I think about the monet, monetization aspect a lot because. I really hate how the internet got corrupted and like got corrupted by advertisements basically so the advertisement model is basically a yeah, totalitarian surveillance mm-hmm. model and all the companies are spying on you all the time just to mm-hmm. shove something down your throat that they think you will need or they think you will like and I think there has to be a better way and I really like um, yeah, I mean the first step was Patreon, and I really like this model because it's very similar to something that has worked for thousands of years. If you have someone like a street performer in at a at a crowded place who who performs whatever, you know, he either he creates art or he sings or he, he does some performance, whatever, and or even if he's just begging, you know, it it, it doesn't matter. It uh, most of the people free ride; they can watch the performance no matter what, and like one percent of the people or something throw one dime into into the head or something and Mm. this works you know it's 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 enough it generates a stable income and uh patreon emulates this model perfectly the problem is that it's a centralized platform and it suffers from the same problems uh, that every centralized platform suffers like they will be forced to censor people or they just censor people based on their own morals and um i think this like, this gives me really hope for the future, because now there are so many content creators and just awesome people that I'm happy to give them, like, five bucks a month. Like, no problem at all, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, as you said, I stopped gaming, I stopped drinking, I never smoked. I, <laughs> I I have, like, this kind of money to spare. that's That's no problem at all. And if I... If I support 10 people by paying 50 bucks a month to Patreon, so be it, you know, that's that's awesome. If they can keep doing what they're doing, and even if it's just writing articles or even if it's programmers, they're working in open source software or if they're creating videos or podcasts, I, I'm going to support those guys. And I really hope that we kind of move away from an advertisement based model and go back to, yeah, something that as I said, has worked for thousands of years. And the the main benefit, in my opinion, is that like 99% of the people can get the entertainment and the content and everything for free because there's nothing, nothing worse than a paywall, you know? You should simply want to see something and then you just can't access it because you have to get over the paywall of I don't know, Wall Street Journal or whatever. It, it's horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, there's some really interesting juxtapositions there for that whole ad space piece. Because on one hand, you know, it, it helps people be able to do things. Like, you know, YouTube used to be really big. Like, you used to people used to make livings on YouTube just with ad revenue, and uh, that's slowly starting to go away as YouTube is becoming bigger and more corporate and. Uh, Pretty much since they got bought by Google it became harder and harder for the smaller content creators to earn real income um, by ads, but to me it almost seems like the ad space is more of a corporate tool than it is a Funding mechanism for like the content creator or or the the performer whatever it is that you want to call it Um, It's more of like a a marketing ploy for these mega corporations to get your eyes on their product uh, and, and I, like the the evil side effect of that is that oh they have to pay these peasants to uh, create to dance for them
1: you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah that's that's how that's what it feels like at least and um, like I I think there are, um, there are almost no people that like to put ads into their stuff like I mean there are some companies where uh, where it's where it's really fitting. And maybe they they really love the pro the, the the project or the product, and they love doing advertisements for them because they really believe in the in the product. But I think most people just, uh, as you said, it's 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 a way to dance for the corporate overlords, and you don't really like doing it, but you kind of have to do it because otherwise you wouldn't generate any income from uh, doing what you're doing. And it's it's a hard problem. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I really hope that. Um, uh, Patron and similar solutions um, are continually popping up, and people will use it and will support creators. So, like, I, I generally am optimistic about that because, um, yeah, I think people like to to pay for good stuff. Like, um, yeah, at, at least that's my experience. If mm-hmm. if it's easy to get and if if it's a fair offer, so to speak, then I think people are fine with paying for stuff it's uh yeah it's how i see it mm-hmm.
0: if it's a value yeah certainly uh and and you know we're already seeing like these these decentralized patreon alternatives emerge like uh jeff vandrew who i had on, uh, on an earlier episode developed libra patron which is sort of like a btc pay server integration of patreon and it's self-hosted and you just set it up on your website and people donate Bitcoin right to you it's non-custodial it, it, it's everything that we need without the central points of failure and, and the big fees that Patreon takes takes cuts out of your monthly revenues
1: yeah there's Telecoin as well and there are some other projects and I think the biggest hurdle to adoption of all of those uh, is simple network effects like mm-hmm. um, there there is benefit of, benefit of yeah there's benefit to having everything on one platform and um, I'm not sure how to solve it. I mean, not too long ago, a lot of people worked on protocols to um, yeah, do syndication. Like that's also where RSS came from. And uh, everyone who's not an Apple user and listening to podcasts know that there are something like RSS feeds and there are a million different apps um, to yeah get your podcast from and and so these things could work i mean we kind of reverted from that because now everyone is locked in in some walled garden and this everyone is just reading the twitter feed or the facebook feed or youtube feed and everything is kind of you know masterminded by some ai algorithms that pick the best stuff for you at least according to the algorithms <laughs> I, I block
0: every company that advertises <laughs> to me on Twitter
1: <laughs> yeah yeah same <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know short. where that rabbit hole is going but I am going short it. short side note um, I um, I'm like two or three years ago I decided to minimize my online footprint and try to um, Yeah, block everything I can. Always go through a VPN. Just uh, erase my real name and everything from from everywhere where I could find it. And it started working like a year or one and a half years ago. And I'm getting the weirdest ads now. It's so cool. (laughs) Like the internet doesn't know how old I am or what gender I am or where I'm from. So I'm I'm getting awesome ads (laughs) if if I'm getting them. (laughs) But I also recommend running a a pie hole, um, like a Raspberry Pi, which just on your whole uh, on your whole network just um, blocks all, all ads on a network level so that works really well oh wow um, <laughs> and yeah just in general block block everything block ads block trackers it's yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a there? great supporter for digital hygiene and I think um, people need to be educated there um, I just wrote a tweet storm a couple of days ago or uh, you know Maybe it was yesterday, I don't know. <laughs> the days days are fussy nowadays, <laughs> if you're in Bitcoin. And it was about digital hygiene. And uh, um, um, I, I see a big parallel of how we as a society had to learn to actually do proper hygiene and wash our hands. And, you know, people were dying left and right mm-hmm. when doctors weren't washing their hands. And I think we are now experiencing the same in the digital realm. Like people, our data is leaking left and right because the companies in charge are not doing yeah, their due, due diligence and uh, digital hygiene in general is really bad. Like most people don't use password managers. Most people use really weak passwords and use the same email address for everything. And don't think twice of entering their full name and address to, you know, for to receive a newsletter or something like for for the weirdest things, people will give up all their data. And I think there's a lot to be gained um, if people are educated to, yeah, do do things properly and take care of their digital hygiene.
0: It's a really cool analogy, especially because I think as our society becomes increasingly digital, there's going to be a sort of survival of the fittest uh, (laughs) emergence online, you know, is like, it used to be that if you didn't wash your hands and and then you ate food, you'd get dysentery and die, you know, from dehydration. Well, nowadays, if you don't uh, maintain your, online identity hygiene, you're gonna have identity theft and all of your Bitcoins or whatever will get stolen.
1: Yeah, I think I think it will get more and more and more important. I mean, we already have, a, uh, Jameson Lop compiled a nice list of uh, all the physical attacks on Bitcoiners. And uh, it's a real problem. Like if, if you, um, yeah, like if you disclosed how much Bitcoin you own at some point in time in some forum or posting it, posting it on Twitter or whatever, and you forgot about it and like six, seven years later you're a millionaire and people figure out who you are, then um, it's not unheard of that they will come knocking at your door and just torture you at, or try to steal steal your receipt phrase or your letter or whatever. And um, yeah, that's. I think that's one of the bad side effects of being your own bank. And uh, I mean, there are solutions to that. There are um, custodial services popping up left and right to to deal with that or at least multisig solutions where um you can't really give out your like all of your bitcoins even if people force you 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 will need multiple people to work together so there there are ways around it but i think yeah proper digital hygiene and good upsec will become more and more important especially um, yeah, as the price rises, which I I'm very confident it will. I just can't tell you the time horizon, but I'm hmm. I'm I'm like hyper bullish on Bitcoin, and I think we're still, yeah. <laughs> if you're zooming out, I think we're still before the curve in a way. It's it's
0: extremely inevitable. I mean, it's every day I become more and more convinced of its inevitability.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> for me, it's you know I <laughs> I've been in this, in the space quite a while. I've been. I'm usually a lurker, like 100%. No, no matter where I am, I, I just lurk all the time. I don't usually speak out or write too much or anything. And like one and a half years ago, I just... um, I'll, Yeah, I, I tried to convince a couple of my friends that Bitcoin isn't stupid. And I started writing a long email. <laughs> and this email turned into an article then, and I just decided to publish it. And uh, everything went from there. But... Uh, I always thought that um, the guys that were extremely hyper bullish were kind of you know at least weird not stupid at all but 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 weird and I you know I always smile at them and like ah yeah that's that's it's a nice idea hyper Bitcoinization and Mm -hmm. everything else Mm -hmm. and in the last year or so I completely changed my mind I think I think the more the more insane it sounds like for example Bitcoin Tina on Twitter I I love him (laughs) to death I think I think I think he got it right because the longer, I, the longer I think about this stuff, the more I am convinced that everyone will lose his shit because it will go so fast. I mean, yeah. uh, in in the last lesson of the 21 lessons, I, I allude to that a little bit. And um, it's called Metaphors for Bitcoin's Future. And uh, I take the internet in general as a metaphor for Bitcoin's future. And I lived through the rise of the internet. And in retrospect, it, everything went so fast. Like it mm-hmm. went so insanely fast. And I kind of knew where things were going. At least, for example, in the gaming area, I absolutely knew where things are going. And um, I I played a lot of Warcraft 3, for example. I don't remember what year it came out, but I I played this game nonstop. And this was... um, I mean, also in Starcraft, you already had... um, commentators commenting Mm -hmm. on the matches and so on and in korea it was obviously really big and uh, Mm -hmm. they were already playing starcraft in the national tv and so but that 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 was unheard of in the rest of the world but in korea it it was already a thing and we already knew like uh, myself and my group of friends that played all the time this will be a thing and it will be running on national television and there will be sports commentators commenting Mm -hmm. on this shit and what we had to do back then was you had to download the replay of the game you had to download an mp3 file someone was going ok and press play in 5, 4, 3, two, 1 and then you sync up the audio with it, everything was super cumbersome and now you just tune in on Twitch and you know you have tournaments playing all the time no matter what game excellent commentators, million dollars of like I mean the, the latest Dota tournaments they had like 10 million dollar prize pools or whatnot, and it, it's just kind of insane and and it was obvious that it's going that way and i think for bitcoin it's obvious as well i think um yeah i think all the people that are talking about hyper bitcoinization are right i i can't tell you how long it will take but i think yeah i think it will get crazy and my time horizon for now i yeah i i agreed with myself that it won't take 30 years or 50 years i'm more like uh, in the ballpark of nine years because i think it will take Three more halvings, and this will be nine years. next one will be next year, one after that will be five years from now, and then nine, nine years from from now is the third one and I think yeah, it will get insane. I think Bitcoin will be the black hole that sucks up all value online and not only online <laughs> but <laughs> everything that can be converted to to value will be sucked up by bitcoin or at least it has the potential for that and mm. the same is happening with the internet everything that can be converted to information is sucked up by the internet so for me it's kind of obvious
0: um oh yeah uh, you mentioned the the hyperbulls. i just wanted to point out that that max kaiser you know is a guy who's been saying hundred thousand dollar bitcoin for like the last eight or nine years <laughs> and people have been calling that man crazy for a long time and every day that goes by His prediction becomes not only like more realistic but in some cases probably too conservative yeah you know it's crazy
1: yeah it is crazy and i'm you know uh it it will be interesting to see um uh, what happens to mcafee if he really has to eat a stick or not You know, the McAfee decline, it doesn't look good for McAfee (laughs) now. I
0: got news for you, he won't, because I have some friends over on Decentralized TV, which is uh, the network that I cross-post BEC to, and and we do live streams every week, and we one time made an agreement with John McAfee that he would come on to our network and do interviews with us. Um, For every one bottle of tequila that we sent him, he would do one interview, and it was kind of it was kind of just a meme but we sent him like 26 bottles of tequila that that people had like rounded up from our community and he still hasn't come back for any more interviews so he he's not a man of his word that John McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, I thought so. It it doesn't surprise me. But yeah. he is very entertaining. I'll give him that.
0: So I want to go back to the virtual economy thing that you kind of touched on there and virtual economies is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. I've been working on this ebook um but I'm just not sure what to do with it yet. Now, right, I want to try to, like, lay the framework for this because I really want to know your thoughts. Um, we, we know... It, everyone has this idea that we're going to eventually move towards that Ready Player One thing where, where all virtual items have, like, a real-world tangible value. Um, and I'm not so sure about that. Or, or maybe if it is, there, there's going to be some transition there, some nuance that we need to, to uh, take a step back from and sort of look at. Because as it stands now, you know, there are virtual things like like virtual video game items that have some tangible real world value, like World of Warcraft gold, right? You can buy it from the company Blizzard, you can sell it on a black market, uh, and and in some cases there's entire black market industries of people, you know, creating this gold and then selling it to people. But all of the activity that goes on, like, within the virtual world where this gold is used, it has no real world economic impact. So this is just money that people are putting into these things things, It's basically it's it's all frivolity, right? I mean, it's at the sake of entertainment It doesn't add any economic value, but as we move to a more and more digital world What would it look like? You know if a world like what's in Ready Player One, where everything has real world economic value, suddenly you can't just create virtual items out of thin air because everyone you create has some sort of liquidity cost associated with it. And it sort of changes the dynamic of how we look at the virtual world, because if I'm a developer, right, and and I want to create all these items that I want to give to my players that they can turn into real money, like let's say it's Bitcoin, well now I have to front the cost (laughs) for all that Bitcoin that those items can be magically turned into. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think what could work is having uh, it set up in a marketplace kind of way, um, like it was done in Second Life, for example. That you pay other users that invest their time to create um, digital goods. But I think it all, it all, yeah. The the key word there is scarcity. Like if you, if if you can make something digital, digitally scarce in a way then it obviously has value. But if if not, then it's really hard to monetize and put a value, value on it. Like, uh, there is a reason why ideas aren't sold, really, you know. There's a reason why it's really hard to monetize uh, open source software, for example. Because it's just, there are some things where it's, even more valuable to share them freely. Like if I have an idea and I share it with you, I don't lose anything and you gain something. So it's not a 0 sum game in a way. And um, with the digital economies, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, in Counter-Strike, for example, and in other games, it, it kind of works well, I would say. But uh, again, the main beneficiaries are the ones that are printing the virtual money there. <laughs> but uh, you can buy skins and you have um, a huge marketplace of user-generated skins, and the user who whoever came up with the idea for the skin will will get a share of the money. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it works. It works in a similar way also with other more real real-world marketplaces um, like um, Etsy or Spreadshirt or what have you, where you just submit a design and it can. It's a digital design, so people can also download it and replicate it and uh, do whatever with it. But if you if you want to turn it in a in a real object and print it on a T-shirt, then the designer will get a provision of like two dollars or whatever he puts there. And um, yeah, I I think it you you will have to differentiate between something that kind of can have value because it's cars and something else that inherently you can't really sell because it's closer to, to an idea than anything else. And I think the internet suffered from that as well. And that's why, you know, the Pirate Bay flourished. As as, as soon as you have music or a movie or what have you, or ebooks in a digital form, the cost of reproduction is zero. So yeah. selling it is really, really hard. You, I think you will have to revert back to a pay-what-you-want model, like uh, we spoke before, uh, um, where most... People, if they want, can have it for free and um, a tiny, tiny minority that values it enough to pay for it will pay the creator so he can keep creating it. But I don't know. It's a hard problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we're still, you know, it's like we said earlier, we're still stuck in this old paradigm, and we're we're trying to apply all these old ideas to this newly emerging paradigm. Um, like the idea of sca- of artificial scarcity. Like we we know some people might have the self control to do it. Some companies might have the leadership. Um, to orchestrate it but what really happens and we know because we see this in in companies now is you see it with all the dlc and all of like the the loot loot stores and loot boxes and stuff where every game nowadays they are trying to nickel and dime you every chance they get if if they see that their players are buying all the new cosmetic items they're going to release a thousand new cosmetic items because that's how they're going to make more money yeah um but what I'm I'm really interested to see, you know, as now that we're seeing this digitization of, of money, which is Bitcoin, right? It's, it's almost like a small, every Satoshi is almost like a tiny piece of digital real estate. I mean, imagine if in the future, there's real world value, you know, because all it is, is binary data. What if that binary data was tied to an actual item in an actual video game? Now, suddenly, you're looking at, true scarcity because that item has a real world cost associated with it and of course there's all kinds of legal gray areas and implications there but uh now there's a cost to produce that virtual item but at the same time the person who takes it has those satoshis now that are tied to it
1: yeah i think it's an interesting idea i i haven't wrapped my head completely around it yet and um uh, as you said i think like i'm i'm a I'm not only a Bitcoin maximalist, uh, but I'm a monetary maximalist, of course, as well. And I, um, just to to reiterate, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist by choice. I kind of arrived it at, <laughs> at it yeah, uh, after, after a couple of years, and so it's yeah, it's not something people generally choose. So I find it funny if people accuse you in a bad way of being a maximalist. I just want to point out that you know it's it's not my choice. It's it's a belief mm-hmm. I hold, and I arrived at that after years of study. So. Yeah, <laughs> and you're you're not alone
0: either, man. Like, yeah. you know, I I was all about the tokenized economy. I was all about like, oh, there's going to be all these different coins, and they're all going to do all this interesting stuff. Um,
1: yeah, and I think what you what you said is 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 kind of true and uh, interesting. I think you can really do it uh, in that kind of way. You know, I mean, you you can have colored coins, and you can have um, you you can say like this. Item belongs to this Satoshi, and then you can transfer ownership, and so on and so forth. Or you can even, you know, build something on top, and um, yeah, even divide it further in in and um, have some digital tokens that are anchored in Bitcoin that tra- ca- that are capable of, um, yeah, having ownership on a on a virtual item. And I think uh, I'm not sure if it will come. I don't know. Um, it would solve the problem that. You said before, um, the companies are just printing their tokens or just putting in whatever digital items they want because then, in theory, you could also um, get it out of the game, so to speak. But uh, those those are all kind of weird concepts. And I think we, uh, as you also rightly pointed out, we don't have the mental framework yet to just make sense of all that. I think it, it will evolve for sure and uh, we will see what happens. Um, but what what I'm pretty sure... What will happen and what is already happening is uh, the birth of like a parallel economy and i i really believe that we will have a closed loop satoshi economy and it's it's already starting like people are tipping uh, just y- using whatever you know like using tipping me on twitter or just uh, tipping creators um and just pushing satoshis left and right to each other if if something cool happens or if someone needs support and um i'm a big believer in the in the yeah closed economy that's that's about to be created
0: yeah, tell me more like wh- what do you mean by closed economy and, you know i i understand what what the concept means but well th- does that mean that i can like go buy my food and my toilet paper with bitcoin or or are you talking about something else
1: yeah sure why not like um i don't think that's really too hard to imagine I mean it will take a while I, I can't tell you how long it will take but I, I think I could already um, hire some people and just pay them in in Satoshi's to do a design for example or do some proofreading for me or uh, whatever and I don't need to I would not need to cash out and as soon as online shops pop up where you can pay your toilet paper with Satoshi's then that's fine as well I mean it will take time I think I I mean, I'm a big believer in uh, the the stages of money, that it has to be a uh, collectible first and then a store of value and so on and so forth. But I think in Bitcoin, everything kind of develops in parallel. And we already see that it's used as a store of value. I mean, that's out of the question. There are plenty of people that are saving mostly in Bitcoin or purely in Bitcoin and just mm-hmm. y- have used it as a store of value for the last couple of years. And you don't even have to be from Venezuela to benefit from that, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh I myself have, uh, yeah, used Bitcoin as a store of value, so um, that's just obvious to me. And as, as a unit of account, I mean, all cryptocurrency traders use it as a unit of account, so that's already mm-hmm. happening as well. And if you're, I mean, if you're stupid, <laughs> then you're then you're trading for dollars. But if you're a smart trader, then you're trading for Bitcoin, and that's what every smart trader does. And um, yeah, I mean, as a medium of exchange, it it already kind of happened, and then yeah, one or two bull runs happened, and uh, everyone is more on the holding side of things. But I think it's emerging again now since we're slowly thinking in satoshis and talking about satoshis, and you know. We had Bitcoin tipping, (laughs) and now Mm -hmm. we have Satoshi tipping. And I think Mm -hmm. it will just, history will repeat itself and people will look back in like five or 10 years and like, oh man, you you tipped this motherfucker 100,000 Satoshis, what were you thinking? (laughs) I, I think
0: it'll be really good for the space to slowly move uh, we, we need to get rid of the decimal Like Bitcoin's decimal has to eventually go away And I'm not just saying that because I want to see it And I think it'd be good for Bitcoin I'm saying it because it's inevitable Like eventually that decimal is going to serve no purpose Because block rewards eventually are going to be less than a full Bitcoin And, and people aren't even going to be thinking in terms of Bitcoin anymore yeah. They're going to need a smaller unit of account And, and I think um, I'm, Some people that follow me on Twitter might know I'm not like the biggest fan of the name Satoshi Uh, I like that it pays homage to the creator, but, you know, I'll take what we can get. It's fine. But we need, like, smaller—humans don't like decimals.
1: Yeah I think it's out of our control and uh, I think we had plenty of discussion uh, whether we call it bits or millibits yeah. and uh, and so on and so forth but uh, you know memes are strong and uh, Matt and Marty birthed the stacking sets meme and I think sets is what people use nowadays and I think yeah sets is universally liked in a way and it's far away like it's Far enough away from Satoshi that it's it kind of feels a little bit different, even though it means Satoshi's. But if you just say sets all the time, then you kind of forget about that. <laughs> and I think right. people are really good with big numbers, like a million. A million sets is alright. Ten thousand sets is alright. But people are horrible with fractions, as you pointed out. And uh, we're still so extremely early. Like I, I stressed this in uh, one of the lessons as well. That it's like. You know, in internet time, it's like 92, 93, something like that. Uh, I feel everything's moving faster, of course, but mm-hmm. we're still so early. Most most of the people have no idea what's coming. And most of the people I know in real life have no idea that you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. And everyone's surprised all the time. I mean, they're just so clueless. It's, it's beyond belief. And right. um, moving away from fractions uh, is, yeah, I think not only necessary, but as he also said, inevitable. And I just proposed that like <laughs> I tweeted something else uh, uh, yesterday or today, you know. Again, I'm not I'm not good with what day it is, <laughs> but <laughs> proposing to Coinbase that they introduce a new coin since they're listing shit coins anyway, um, and they j- could just um, fight the unit bias and introduce a new coin called Sets, and you can just buy one set really really cheaply, and so everyone logging into bo- Coinbase would see it's the cheapest coin, and they can just go mad and you know buy millions yeah. of satoshis yeah. easily.
0: And and tell everyone it's built on the Bitcoin blockchain and that it's yeah. compatible with Bitcoin exactly
1: <laughs> and it's packed. it's a stable coin in terms of Bitcoin.
0: That's marketing genius right there. But <laughs> Coinbase, hope you guys are listening. Um, yeah, you mentioned the early internet piece. Like you said we are as far as like the internet days were in like the early 90s. Um, you're not the first person I've heard make that comparison. In some cases, I think it might be a little bit of a false equivalence, but I definitely think there's some parallels there for sure. I, I think um, we're, we're early to this thing, and, and Bitcoin is exponential technology, and people cannot understand exponential acceleration. Our brains are just not wired to wrap around the idea of something exponentially increasing in, in value and in network of effect and in just daily volume. Like, we, we can't even think about that.
1: Yeah, amen to that. I, I say that all the time and I've written about it as well. And I, I really think that the greatest shortcoming of the human race is failing to understand the exponential function. And it's it's kind of in, insane that you can model those things mathematically, but it just doesn't make intuitive sense. So uh, it, it's it's really hard to wrap your head, head around it. And um, in terms of, you know, where we are at, as you say it's a false equivalency and it, it is for sure because uh i mean history rhymes but it doesn't really repeat itself and it will be different for sure but you know it, it took the internet quite a while to get started and uh, you know as to say first slowly and then all at once so mm-hmm. uh, it, it always seems to happen overnight and it was the same with smartphones for example or even with mobile phones before that like mm-hmm. nobody had a mobile phone and nobody could afford a mobile phone and suddenly everyone had an Nokia. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years later, you know that the the, uh, the first smartphones were launched, and they were super shit. And then the iPhone got introduced, and like a year later, everyone had an iPhone. It, yeah. it, it took like a year or two. Like everyone was like, "I don't need. Why would I need a smartphone? Right, you no, know, I have right. a, I have a computer at home that's like a million times better." And. And suddenly everyone needs a smartphone and you, and, you and need one nowadays. There were like these little
0: things too that that pushed people towards the smartphone. Like you remember the lightsaber app on the on the first I- iPhones and <laughs> yeah, an sure. iPad or yeah, iPod yeah. touches? Yeah. You could like wave the phone around <laughs> and make lightsaber noises and people would be like, yeah. oh, that's really cool. I, I want that. <laughs> yeah. you know, it just plants that little sublim- subliminal seed. Like, hey, that's a thing you couldn't do before. Well, yeah. now you can do it anytime you want. And nobody is running around with lightsaber apps on their phones in 2019. But that was a thing that happened and then that, that you couldn't do before, and people are like, "Hey, that's cool. I want that. I want. I want to. I want to be able to do
1: that." Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird what uh, uh, in the end works and why. Uh, what the reasons are why people jump on a technology or use a technology. I think it's it's the same for Bitcoin. I mean, so many people got onboarded uh, with the Silk Road, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. they they couldn't get the medication they wanted. And I, I'm purposely now talking only about. Um, like quote-unquote legal stuff. I mean, getting medication that you can't get because you, you don't have insurance and so on and so forth. Sure. I'm, not buy, uh, I'm not about buying hardcore drugs because people will buy hardcore drugs no matter what and they probably won't think, oh, hey, that's so cool. But if you can't get a medication or can't get um, uh, any substance because in your jurisdiction it's not allowed, and right. you can get it online and you can get it easily. I think it's something of a light bulb moment for people that's like, wow, it's insane that, that this works and I um, I can use that so easily and it just works. And yeah, it, it will be interesting to see what will be the, the light bulb moment for, for people with Bitcoin. I think there's something of a perfect storm brewing. Um, I mean, you know... <laughs> the western world is talking about ne- uh, negative interest rates and I think if people see their wealth disappearing and see bitcoiners getting richer every year then they kind of have to wake up maybe <laughs> I don't well. know what it takes I I really hope that it um, will be something of a smooth transition but you know it depends on, on if I'm having a good or a bad day I think it can get really bad as well and um, then things will really get crazy I think because if if everyone starts flocking towards Bitcoin and trying to store their wealth in it, um, there's just not enough room for everyone. And the price would go through the roof and everything else would go through the roof as well. Like block spaces, source cars, and there are so few Bitcoins and there are so many people that if shit really hits the fan globally, like economically speaking, and we have a 2008 financial crisis that's like 50 times as bad as the last one, then, yeah, it, it, I think it will get bad. Like, the potential is definitely there. Yeah. Uh, the
0: macroeconomic landscape is looking very scary, in my opinion, right now. It's it's very, very dark.
1: Yeah, if you're paying attention, you should buy Bitcoin, in my opinion. Like, it, it, it wouldn't hurt to have a couple of sets laying around.
0: <laughs> I tweeted January 4th, 2019, uh, in before the greatest. Economic collapse of 2019 and the greatest economic crisis of 2020. I still have six more months to be right, so let's see. Let's see if it <laughs> happens. So then I can they can and I can quote tweet that forever and pretend like I'm an oracle.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I I, I still hope that um, it like there there won't be literal blood on the streets, and yeah. um, I think there is potential for a smoother transition as well, since uh, yeah the last bull run. Like, most people now have heard of Bitcoin. And I think Mm -hmm. the next bull run will be like global penetration. Like, uh, yeah, fully penetrating the global consciousness. Oh, that's a nice sound, Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I'm sure no one will take that out of context. And. Um, yeah I mean we have Libra now which is kind of insane as well that Facebook is talking about uh, creating a quote unquote cryptocurrency uh, for their 2.8 billion users or how, how many people are using Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram and I think people kind of they, they will be forced to think about those things and think about right. money and think about using a different kind of money and f- thinking about using some of weird internet money and I think in, in, in China that's already the reality I mean people are using purely digital money all the time and you see beggars in the streets holding up QR codes you know and it's it's kind of weird but uh, that's the reality there and I think the West will catch up to that as well
0: you know the thing that concerns me about this this transition And I was talking about this with uh, Ben, uh, Mr. Cool BP, you mentioned it earlier. Him and I had a long conversation a couple weeks ago about this topic. And, you know, I brought up the fact that during times of economic uncertainty, you tend to see... uh, especially when there's like already stirring of populism and the, the pendulum, the political pendulum is swinging further and further to either side. And you, you see all this pent up energy emerge and you see these, these huge revolutions that take place. Um, It's generally the finger is pointed at, at somebody in order to cause uh, a societal breakdown, uh, tear apart of the fabric of, of families and, and neighborhoods and, everything all the way up the chain, you know, to, to the local governments and all that um, so that it can be recreated in, in whatever image the, the totalitarians choose. You know, and I think of like Mao is a really good example uh, because this is what he pulled off in China, you know, post-World War II. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely very concerned that there are parallels here with uh, potential macroeconomic implications and this, this perfect storm brewing, as you said, you know, with, with Bitcoin, this deflationary clock is ticking and things might just happen at just the right time where they don't have to destroy bitcoin all they have to do is point the finger at the bitcoiners and say they did this
1: hmm that's an interesting thought but um i think the beauty of it is that no matter what happens there is now an option you know there is now an alternative option you can opt Mm -hmm. into bitcoin and you can be completely self-sovereign and Mm -hmm. i think um, this will be more and more important as uh, time goes on. And I think people are really kind of waking up to that a little bit. I mean, for example, if you had all of your pictures on Flickr, if you were a, a photographer and using Flickr heavily, uh, it, it like Flickr kind of went to shit and everyone moved to, to another platform. And so your pictures are kind of stuck there. You know, there's no easy way to export everything and move it to another platform. So um, I think people will hopefully at least, use more self-sovereign solutions. And I mean, the more important, the more self-sovereign it should be. And arguably, there is nothing more important than uh, the value you hold. So you should Mm -hmm. really hold at least some amount, like Pomp says, get get off zero. You know, what's true for investors is I think true for just individuals as well. You should have some amount, like one tiny little gold nugget stored in a secure place digitally and only you are the master of those keys and no matter what happens like no matter how how shitty the future will be you you will always have access to this yeah small digital gold nugget and i think that can really help and i think it's um yeah it should be the same for most of your digital life as well, like, uh, your, your most important documents should be encrypted somewhere where only you have access. And, uh, if you're forced to flee the country, then you at least can rebuild your life somewhere else. And uh, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe this will be one way out of the situation you described. That's
0: a really good point. Um, you know, I think it's worth pointing out too, you know, when I, when I set the stage of like that dark dystopic world um that that could emerge you know just based on my understanding of history i i don't mean to say that we're not better off now with bitcoin we are infinitely better off now with bitcoin than you know you would have been as the 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 landowner in uh post communist revolution china who got locked in a cage and died in his own feces you know what i mean like we are infinitely better now and and even though the the people will always find someone to point fingers at. Um.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, but but even that, I'm I'm also... I tend to be more optimistic. Like, mm-hmm. one interesting side effect of uh, getting into Bitcoin is I became more optimistic every year. And I, I used to be very pessimistic about the state of affairs and the world in general and politics and everything else. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic now about everything. And... Um, With pointing fingers, I mean, this is also a problem of disseminating the right information. Like, if you want to find someone guilty, you have to convince people that he really is guilty. And I think that's getting harder and harder and harder now, because uh, I feel like, um, you know, with the mainstream media dying and uh, information getting more decentralized, uh, let's put it that way, I think people are more skeptical, maybe, uh, of some... You know centralized uh, information sources let's put it like right. that i mean that's a that's a very positive spin on that because you also have echo chambers and uh, conspiracy theorists and insane people flocking together and creating their own media like we do now you know <laughs> and <laughs> you have <laughs> the bitcoin echo chamber right <laughs> right that's right and um so take that with a grain of salt but Speaking of optimism, I also think that we are living in the best times ever. Like everything's amazing, and nobody talking is talking about it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's 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 amazing that we are having this conversation, and uh, we don't know each other. We we have never met, and I just uh, saw you in the video feed for the first time, and you don't know my name, and uh, it's just taken for granted that this is how the world works now, and people will listen to this, and it's it's kind of amazing, and. Uh, also, if you're ever depressed about the state of the world, I urge everyone to read The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker. Like, if that's not an optimistic book, then I don't know what is. It, it shows you how everything got better in the last couple of hundreds, uh, even the last couple of thousand years. Like... Basically, no child is dying anymore in comparison, you know. And uh, we're not stabbing each other to death in the streets all the time like we did a couple hundred years ago. (laughs) And We eradicated most diseases. And the living standards are just through the roof. Like, everyone is living like a uh, a king. Like, if you're living in the Western world, if you're living in any developed country, then you're living like a king 200 years ago. And even in the third world, like, access to clean water, access to information, access to electricity, roof over the head, and so on and so forth. It's kind of insane how well off humanities as a whole. And if you're into that kind of stuff, then I also recommend um, watching the presentations of Hans Rosling. He has has some awesome talks uh, really visualizing the data and how um, like uh, hygiene, access to clean water, education, child mortality and everything improved. And so I, I, as I said, I tend to be more optimistic than I was and you know who knows maybe we'll we all will be living in nice bitcoin citadels in 10 years uh, i i don't rule out the possibility <laughs> i i
0: uh yeah man i i really appreciate all that that's uh you're absolutely right you're 100 percent right um the, and and i think it's worth noting that there are second order effects you know to a lot of um the the Living standards that we enjoy today, and and some of them are definitely not positive, but overall, we're certainly so much better off now um, than we were even even fifty years ago. You know, uh, the world is is increasingly getting better and better for for the
1: margins of society. Yeah, and I think Bitcoin also has the potential of further improving everything. Like if if we manage to revert to something uh, like a sound money, then I think, yeah, we most of the insane stuff that is happening in the world right now um will be minimized at least you know i mean we have endless wars now and most of the wars are financed because governments can print money just endlessly and uh like safety is talking about it all the time as well with shifting your time preference and um people are just over consuming all the time and just getting loans that they should get and uh you know consuming stuff before it's produced and uh, we're just living on on borrowed time and borrowed finance and this can't end well and i think that um yeah if if the world would have more bitcoiners with a, a saner time preference then the world would be a better place as well
0: i absolutely agree with that yeah the problem is getting them there you know and, yeah, sure. and you mentioned next the- time <laughs> yeah, you mentioned how hard it would be nowadays uh, to facilitate like the the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie narrative, um, just because now the information is so much freer and, and it's harder to point fingers, um, and and people are are I guess you could say smarter than they've ever been. They have more access to information, and this is part of why it's so important for us to work hard to preserve you know, these these decentralized projects and these aspects of liberty uh, that we have in the virtual world, you know, Bitcoin is such a huge step in that direction, you know, even just outside the the economics piece, just having the access to free, uncensorable free speech money, as Andrew Torbock calls it, um, and and preserving these channels of communication that we have online too, you know, it's so important that we protect our dissemination of information.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it's getting better, like every week. And I think the more you use this kind of stuff, and the more you learn about it and read about it uh, I'm I'm pretty convinced that there are a lot of Bitcoiners that didn't use open source software before they went into Bitcoin and then they suddenly realized how important this is and they tried to use open source messengers for example and open source protocols and open source pr- browsers and opting out of you know like the totalitarian software world uh, where just you are not in control of what your computer is doing and um, like every, every little bit helps um, because if, if one person understands it then then yeah there's just the potential that all his friends and family will be infected with this mind virus as well and people will build up better digital hygiene and uh, use more open source software and take better care of their privacy and so on and so forth so I, I tend to be optimistic
0: yeah, that's me to a T. Uh, first open source anything I ever used is Bitcoin. And yeah. since then, I've been experimenting with a lot of different things. I, I'd love to be like completely on Linux. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I would really, really like for that to be the case. It yeah, just makes everything so much easier. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's easy. It's just like, you know, um, stumbling into Bitcoin isn't easy either. And no. also... You know, uh, becoming a Bitcoiner, let's put it that way, isn't easy either because <laughs> nothing of that is, is easy. It, it just takes time. It's, it's hard to understand. It's, it's also hard to not spend your Bitcoins. I mean, that's, you know, like John Cravallo always says, Bitcoins want to be free. <laughs> I think that's really true. It's so hard to hold on to your Bitcoins. And that's why, you know, th- I mean, there are some OGs that are not rich. And uh, it's kind of insane to think about that when you had the opportunity or you even had like, tens or hundreds uh, of bitcoins and now you're just, uh, yeah, a regular guy, not not rich at all and still working a normal job in a way. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. So don't be too hard on yourself and using open source software for everything is not easy at all because the question is where you want to stop because you would also have to use open hardware and uh, your phone needs to be open hardware and use open source software and so on and so forth. Like if you want to go really the free software Libre software route and all of that isn't easy, but I, again, I, I tend to be optimistic. Like there are people like Max Hillebrand. I respect the hell out out of that guy. And he's, um, yeah, he's, he's just doing God's work in, in this space and he's, uh, Uh, working with the nodal team for example and um yeah they're they're building awesome stuff and awesome software and also in the in the hardware world there are so many people working on open hardware and i think bitcoin is leading the way there because it's super important that you're just not like you can't get fucked in bitcoin you know like if Mm. if it's your your just your name or your social security number it's not that bad but if all your wealth is gone that's really bad so your node better be secure and it you know, also with the tresser for example, they use open hardware. And uh it, it's really important that we get this right, because otherwise people will suffer and people will get burnt. And yeah, nobody wants that.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of concerns there. We could probably go on for another hour just about that topic in general. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, easily.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we're about running out of time here. I like to keep these. Not kind of short, just so people don't get uh, lost in the sauce. But uh, you got anything else that you want to hit on before we call it quits? Uh, no not really
1: um yeah we we didn't talk about the 21 lessons too much but uh, <laughs> yeah that's
0: okay you, you guys can go listen to uh, what was it citizen bitcoin that you did that on yeah
1: exactly i did a deep dive on citizen bitcoin and um yeah as we said before uh guys wanted an excellent job of reading them out loud and everyone can go read them themselves on 21lessons.com and that's also where the audio is
0: yeah, and I'll post link to 21 lessons uh, and and for the audio down in the show notes, and uh, you guys can also find uh, Gigi on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you want to share your Twitter handle? I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah,
1: too. I'm there, Gigi, on Twitter, and uh, my page is also there, Gigi.com, and I also I intend to keep working on the 21 lessons because below each lesson there is a like further down the rabbit hole section where I want to put the relevant articles and podcast episodes and uh, eventually books and stuff like that. And uh, while I was collecting this, I kind of built up a small Bitcoin library and it's also on my page, but uh, you can easily uh, go to it with, uh, it's bitcoinresources.com, bitcoin-resources.com and then you'll find the page. There is uh, enough stuff to keep you busy for a while, I, I think. Awesome. All right.
0: Yeah, guys, go check out 21 Lessons. Uh, the, like you said, the audio version is only like two hours long. So if you got a commute to work or just some, some time to kill around the house, just put it in your ear and, and listen. You won't regret it.
1: And guys' uh, voice is also soothing on 2X, it, so then it will be one hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This was a great conversation.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. That was fun.
0: Welcome back, guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber. Don't forget, you can go and check out Gigi's work at 21lessons.com. I will also post a link to that down in the show notes. As I said before, follow GG on Twitter. Really interesting guy, up to lots of really cool and interesting things surrounding Bitcoin. If you guys like the Bitcoin Echo Chamber, don't forget to subscribe to the show or give us some stars or thumbs up or whatever it is. But if not, and you just wanted to listen, that's cool too. You guys can find us on pretty much any of your favorite podcasting services. Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, Overcast, or you can find out more about the show at bitcoinechochamber.com. You guys can also get in touch with me if you have any questions about the show or comments about the show, or if you'd like to be a future guest on a potential episode, you can send me a DM on Twitter at Armed C. that's the letter C, or send me an email at bitcoinechochamber at gmail.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening. I always appreciate your support, and I will see you hopefully next week having some trouble getting a lot of guests on the show, so I'll do my best, guys.